Hello and welcome to the Right for Your Life podcast. My name is Ian Broom and you are also listening to Donna Sorensen. Hello everybody. Hello, I, I've never said my name at the start of the podcast before. I thought I would then, I don't know why. <laughs> it worked. Thanks. Today we're going to be talking about, actually we, we thought that we didn't have um, any specific, or I thought we didn't have any sort of real juicy topic, but I think we've actually got two or three now, which is extremely exciting. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's lots going on in the world. There is, and it's it's a mixture of reading, a mixture of uh, of, of writing. It's about um, uh, style, the way you dress, all that kind of thing. And, um, and and we shall pursue this soon. I do have some some minor housekeeping which I forgot to mention to you, but I'm yeah. doing I'm doing my best to um, slowly update the podcast page on my website ianbroom.com so you can find all the ep- previous episodes on 70 decibels but i also replicate them um or post links to them separate blog posts for each episode on on uh, on my website and I've, i'm updating the page so it's not just the titles but there's also duration and who was the host and which which date it was and it doesn't sound like much but oh and the topics what we talked about but um, I, I am aware that if people go through the back catalogue and they just see some of the silly titles that we come with, that they might not necessarily understand what they were actually going to get if they listened. So I've uh, tried to add those things, and like I say, include, including a duration too. So I'm working my way through those for, for, the, uh, for the benefit of everyone. Fab, that's great. Isn't it just? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so we have two or three topics, um, and let's hope that we get through them. So what should we go through? For first, okay, let's uh, go. Go on. No, you, were you going to go for it? Well, no. What were you going to suggest? Well, I was. I just wanted to quickly mention this um, this interesting little news story that I just heard today. But I mean, you know, it's not a big thing. But I thought maybe I could just m- mention that first quickly. Well, let's do it. Let's go, let's go. Um, people may have seen um, that uh, there's a little story today about a fantasy author in America who has. Um, well, she took her publisher to court. Um, in, to try to stop them publishing or further copies of her uh, fantasy novel because she uh, claimed that there were hundreds and hundreds of errors that were introduced into it by the editors at the publishing company that weren't anything to do with her, um, that amounted to a breach of contract and also that it, it, it was damaging her reputation as an author. And she's won the case and she's got all the rights reverted to her and they're going to have to pull all the copies of the book and uh, I just thought that was a very, very interesting, um, interesting situation. Which was the bit that you found most interesting? There's a couple of things that I, I find interesting about that. One is the fact that it happened, I suppose. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but the second one is the fact that she was able to get the rights to her book back. Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, how, how often that's happened. Maybe it's happened quite a lot for other reasons, but... Um, yeah, I mean, and it's funny, but I think the reason I thought it was interesting was because, you know, you kind of hand over. Uh, I don't know how much backwards and forwards there is between editors and, and authors in this day and age. You know, I have spoken to people that feel that, especially when they've been published more and more, there's less of that. Um, they don't feel like they're being kind of critiqued or guided or anything like that in the way that they would have liked when they get further down the line. So I just thought it was really interesting that that somebody would be able to go right down to like sentence level. You know, she's picked out particular sentences and taken that into a court and just said, you know, this is this is embarrassing for me and I don't want it. It's changed the meaning or, you know, even if it's just the way a, le- a word's written, you know. I mean, there's clearly something gone wrong there. There's a breakdown of communication because in my experience, and I think most people's, when you're working with 
and this is not to besmirch the publishing uh, house in question here because I don't know them, I've not heard of them and, and you know, I don't want to get into that. But mm. um, it, I would suggest that perhaps <laughs> there's been a breakdown in communication. So my experience is that you work very closely with an editor and any amends that are made, you have already approved, you've discussed, you've thought about whether it's the right thing to do or not and you've actually worked your way through it as a team and you've you present the text uh, in a certain at a certain stage to the editor and then they hopefully work very closely with you to make it better and if you're extremely lucky um, uh, then you might get might get an agent that will also go through that process with you and that's been that's been my experience so it sounds like she's just had a, a, a very unusual but obviously very bad experience what worries me most about a story like this i I understand why it's made the news but i just kind of hope it's not another sort of well publicity stunt but also like a weird a weird story about in inverted commas traditional publishing that that provides ammunition to for people to just say that's what it's like for everyone because it's not that's not how it works that's that's so so such an unusual case um you know that's not that's not normal (laughs) no no definitely not normal um well when i looked up i thought this is going to do wonders for sales of her book whoever she goes with next presumably or or whether she does even if she self-publishes i mean that's a great way to start isn't it if you've decided that you really don't like how things turned out with your publisher the traditional way and then you're like well i'm going to actually take them to court before i do anything like self-publish then you know that's probably quite a a way to make a splash at the start donna Sorensen, you cynical old badger i oh <laughs> that's so weird i'm actually looking at a picture of a badger are you looking at a picture of a badger i'm looking at a picture of you on skype are you why well, because I'm talking to you and it shows, oh. you, shows you a picture of the person you're talking to. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. No, and I thought you meant you had video on. No, I am actually looking at a badger, but anyway. Why, uh, why, well, why are you looking at a badger? <laughs> because the article is in The Guardian and there's uh, a picture of a lovely, cute little fluffy badger down on the, on the side in an article um, entitled Badger Cull in Somerset. Oh, well, there's a sad end to that little anecdote. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so um, so watch out editors then, eh? Because you could get taken to court if authors are not happy about what, what you're doing to their books. Absolutely. I wonder if there was a, pro- a process of, um, of, 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 I don't know, emails where they said, you know, I'm not happy with this, or whether it just went straight to court. <laughs> yeah, like Lord of the Flies, that escalated quickly. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, okay, well, that is um, that is an interesting story. If there's a, Let's see if there's any follow-up to it, or if that person goes on to sell three trillion copies of her, uh, her yeah. notorious novel. Or if never never to be heard from again. Yes, which is probably the more likely yeah. scenario. Yeah. Okay, before we go on to what I think is probably going to be the biggest topic, I'm going to quickly mention the fact that the Man Booker Prize shortlist was um, announced this week. Have you been keeping tabs on that? If I was to say no, would you judge me? I wouldn't judge you because I know that you are going through a very important week where you return to work after being on maternity leave for a year. I hope you don't mind me revealing that. I think you have done before yourself on the podcast. Oh, yeah, that's that's totally fine. Yeah, no, I'm. It's um, you know, I'm just kind of uh, dribbling and going cross-eyed at my desk and just generally trying to um, to keep things together. So, um, so I haven't I haven't had time, but I would love. Do you know what? You can tell me them. Well, actually, is it the long list? 
No, it's the shortlist, and I can't tell you all of them. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but I, I can tell you a couple of things about this particular shortlist. I can tell you one thing. And, and, that, you, and, I, and I will react as, as, as anybody, just like, wow, that's really interesting, because I didn't know. <laughs> Absolutely. So I've only read one book on the shortlist. That's not particularly unusual for me. I very often haven't read any of them, because <laughs> I, I read slowly, and the last two or three years I've either been writing or babies. And um, I read Jim Crace's Harvest, which everyone expects to win, and it was fantastic. And do you know what I've done? What? I've only gone and done a video review of Jim Crace's Harvest and just posted it to YouTube about three minutes before we started recording this podcast. Ace. So you must go and look at that because it's brilliant. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the review, obviously, the book's terrible. That's not oh, true. Really? No, no, no. Oh, it's... God, no, you said, yeah, but it's one of the favourites. It's one of the favourites. It's fantastic. I'm just joking. It's very, really very good. Fantastic book. I can understand why it's been shortlisted and um and it wasn't my wasn't i didn't expect it to be my bag but very quickly i um i i sort of fell for it and um, i recommend it so check out that video the second interesting thing it's kind of interesting it's a bit silly really but the second interesting thing is that the um the shortlist was announced on the I mean, they had the formal kind of announce, uh, announcement that was going on, but it was announced to the rest of us that weren't in that particular room um, by uh, via Vine, believe it or not. Mm. You know Vine? Mm, yeah, is that a new thing then this year? I think it was just well. This is it. this is why it's interesting. It's it's uh, it was unexpected. It became a story in itself. The fact that people were going, oh wow, they've 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 done it on Vine, and the way that they did it, they had. Because Vine is um, is a social a social um, video app where you can only film six seconds, um, and they and then you post it to your timeline. So the the, the Booker Prize's uh, Vine account released this video of of the, the twelve lo- books on the long list on a shelf, and then over the course of six seconds, six were removed, leaving the six six left that were actually the shortlist. That's good, isn't it? And it is quite good. I, at first I thought, oh, that's a bit naff. But then I thought, do you know what? I've spent ages, particularly on this podcast, complaining about the publishing industry always being a bit behind and always kind of yeah. um, kind of doing things the way it's always been done. So fair play to them for doing something different. Yeah, give them a blooming break, honestly. <laughs> I'm going to give them a break. Also a Kit Kat. Yeah. And, um, and so I thought that was that was quite interesting. It was it was a kind of fun way to do it because you know the Booker Prize it's very it's very you know very important, very literary, very sort of stuffy kind of prize. It's the most important one, certainly in the UK. You've got the Pulitzer, of course, as well. But you know a very sort of uh, important thing. But then it was announced via like a six second little video, you know, with poor quality video because you know you, people do it on their phone. <laughs> um, so I thought that was um, I thought that was perfectly splendid and um and you know more of that please yeah i mean do you think they will do i mean i don't know well it'll be whatever's next i mean it might not be fine by uh this time next year who knows Mm. but um yeah cool so that was that that's the booker prize people should go and check out the six books um should i tell people what the six books are i should probably should shouldn't i it doesn't mean i've got to just check my facts but um well, Jim Crace's Harvest is one of them. Absolutely. Good work. Con well well remembered. Yeah. Colin Tobin is uh, nominated for The Testament of Mary. I knew he was yeah. uh, shortlisted, but I didn't know what the name of the book was. Um, I've Actually, interesting, I've seen that people say that they don't think this is his best book. Interesting. Well, it's very short, isn't it? It's like 100 pages or something like that. 
yeah, it looks like, um, and it, yeah, it looks kind of really old as well. It looks like a little old uh, Wuthering Heights or something. Yeah. So um, the, the rest of the books is, uh, by complete contrast, you've got The Luminaries by Eleanor Catton, which is also hotly tipped, and that's about 800 pages long. Um, then you've got A Tale for the Time Being by Ruth Azeki. You've got The Lowland by Jumpalari. Then you've got We Need New Names by No Violet Bulawayo. Great name, eh? No Violet. No Violet, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that, I, like I say, I've only read one of those, but a lot of people are saying that this is the best shortlist for, for years. So, um, you know, feel free to go and check that, that stuff out. I'll put a link to all of these things in the uh, in the show notes. That's interesting. I'm just reading now that they say that um, that two of the books are concerned with the present world. Did we ever talk about the fact that nobody seemed to be writing about now? Um, well, I, I mentioned that in my in my video review, which you must go and watch. It's um, uh, the fact that Jim Crazy's Harvest is, excuse me, a bit of windy pops. It's um, <laughs> not again. It's um, it's it has no specific time or or setting. Um, and, and actually, interestingly, another book that does that is Aes Rangelica by Ian Broom. Um, although it's clearly set in the last 30 years, whereas this uh, could be set any time in, in kind of between 16 and 1900 or something like that. But it's very, it's very much not of the now, definitely. Yeah. But um, yeah, maybe that's, another, maybe that's a good, good topic for another episode, I think. Are people writing about the now? And should you write about the now? Because there are lots of things that come with that, the whole idea of social media. So I'm tackling this again with the new novel. Should I, should, should I include references to even email? You know, is that in, in 30 years' time, are we going to have email? In five years' time, are we going to have email? Or will we have something else? I don't know. I know, but all that stuff, I don't know. I, for me, I just kind of feel like I need to be transported away from my life a little bit when I read a book. Mm. Um, and it, does, it doesn't even have to happen in a faraway place or be about something absolutely ludicrous that I would never myself experience. But I just don't want to feel like it's happening right around me in my in the room where I'm sitting. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. I, I, I don't want to like, uh, be able to associate myself with the, with the characters either. I just, I just need a bit of a disconnect. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you completely. Yeah, emails and stuff like that. I'm, yeah, I'm not sure I can be bothered to read about them in a book. <laughs> or, or texting like you know lol and all that stuff <laughs> yeah oh, oh, anyway good so that's nice that'll be interesting to see who wins obviously that's like the understatement of the century yep it's um it's going to be uh it's going to be uh interesting a tight race i think this year yep okay so let's go to um well, we kind of have another sort of uh titbit um, which is how we say it in the UK, as opposed to tidbit or tidbit in the US. Did you know that? Hang on a minute. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Are you absolutely sure about that? Um, I am. Well, I'm going to say I'm sure, and then I'm going to let people email me or tell me on Twitter that I'm wrong. So tidbit, T-I-T, got that? T-I-T, B-I-T. We say tidbit, don't we? You've got a little tidbit, some juicy tidbits. And then uh, if you're in the US, though, you replace the T with a D and they say tidbits. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. You see, I remember these things. My dad once corrected me when I wrote tidbit and he said it's tidbit. Well, maybe it's it's a tidbit in the US and Newcastle. (laughs) Well, I'm I'm just going to have to take it up with him. I'm just going to make a note of that. 
talk to dad about tidbits. <laughs> yeah, so what's our, our next little tidbit? I wrote that exact notes myself when I was 14. <laughs> oh. So. Um, style. Start, we're going to do this one, so we're going to leave the main topic till last. That We are we are completely trampling on the podcast podcasting conventions. But you just said yourself you wanted to do tidbit. I don't remember anything I say. All right. Well, anyway, it's about the most stylish people in literature, isn't it? That's what we were going to talk about. Yes, so we were given this topic by uh, Sean Mahalik on Twitter. He, Sean was a previous guest on, who came on to talk um, uh, about his work. It was very interesting. He's written a novella. And um, and he, he he provided a link to uh, this article, which I hadn't seen. It's called The Most Stylish People in Literature. And I thought, well, this will be a bit of fun. We'll have a bit of a chat. I'll have a chat with Donna about this on um, on the old podcast. And then I thought about it a bit more. And I think there's something slightly unpleasant and sinister going on here. That, um, that all those authors are kind of... Um, need to be more aware of but let's let's do let's deal with the superficial superficial side of it first so what's this article about you said that you'd already seen this yeah yeah i retweeted it earlier today just because you know people like that kind of stuff don't they and i thought it would be interesting to see what people think about it um again it's quite american uh ameros whatever you say oh my god i can't even speak now but you wouldn't say amerocentric what would you say i would say um us tastic anglo <laughs> Anglo-centric or US-tastic. Yeah. It's very US-tastic. So um, um, people like Martin Amis are f- featured in it, strangely enough, but that's because he lives in Brooklyn. But um, we, we, should, we should make it clear that they, they are talking literally, when they say this this article is in FlavorWire, the most stylish people in literature, they're not talking about the way they write. No, no, they're just talking about the clothes they wear and there's pictures um, and they chat about what they like about it. Uh, that, that person's particular person's style... Um, and the, you know it's quite an eclectic mix, but um, but yeah, mad. I mean, for me, when I looked at it, I just looked at it and I was like, oh my god, that's what Michael Chabon looks like. I had no idea. <laughs> it was just quite interesting, first of all, just to see uh, authors because I mean, it's not all authors that you you see their faces all the time, is it? I don't know. Maybe you do in this day and age. I don't. It's not. But my question is, and this is where, so this is this article is a bit of it's a bit of fluff, really. It's like a load of authors seemingly thrown together for, <laughs> you know, I don't know what the logic is behind them. But there's basically a blog post, most stylish people in literature, and you know, it's 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 a bit of fluff, um, and 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 the intense cynic and lover of literature inside of me thinks that the time spent putting that together could have been spent reviewing a fantastic new book that no one's heard of like Dream Country or uh, Ace oh. for Angelica or lots of others. Um, however... Yeah, but, Ian, but, 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 having said that, you know, if you were to be featured on this and it had a link through to um, to Ace for Angelica and, you know, suddenly you got a massive load of interest about the book from this um, list, what would you be saying about it then? Would you be saying, oh, I'd have much preferred a good review and people to have bought the book because it had a good review? Does... Do you care about that or would you just like people to read it and for it to be out there in the world? In terms of my book, I just want people to read it. But the people on this list of stylish people in fiction are a load of famous authors who have already who are already extremely well established, extremely famous. All of them at a point in their careers where they can probably live off their writing and their writing alone and therefore therefore I don't come into it because I'm nowhere near a list like this despite I, 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 there's a few authors on here I've never heard of 
well, I've heard of them. Have you? <laughs> Probably. I don't know. Do you know who Emma Straub is? Um, I've heard of her. I don't. I, I'm not like particularly familiar with her work, but I've heard of her. <laughs> okay. This is this is now turned into a quiz. Hit me with another one. <laughs> Tayari Jones. Yeah, me and Jonesy, we are uh, <laughs> big mates. Yeah, I mean, I I totally see why people are doing this. And as an author, you you kind of you have to be on the bandwagon, don't you? You have to be there and say, well, look, if they're go- people are going to be firing at these, look at all these, look at the, the you know the ten people that look worse when they get up in the morning, ten authors that never brush their hair. Would you like to be on that featured on that with a link to your book? I would probably say yes. Here's my photo of me without my hair brushed, <laughs> and here's the link to my book. I would like to be on a list of ten authors who gently press their fingers through their hair with gentleman's product in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe we should do some of these lists ourselves. <laughs> maybe. But you know, I mean, it's 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 all about in this day and age just being seen and gathering people together for these kind of really fluff filled lists that's that seems to be what, what's happening more and more it's easier to be part of something like this than it is to get a review so, so you have to be well this is this is where I've, this is this is leads me nicely onto where i think it's slightly sinister and i don't want to make a big deal of this because we have got another topic to go to but it's but it isn't that so so i not only now do i have to spend a decade writing a book and getting it published and hopefully it being quite good i also have to be sartorially sort of satisfying to um so to the general kind of internet readership as well i think yeah i think it really helps i mean what if i was massively fugly <laughs> uh, what do you what do you what do you mean about what if <laughs> um yeah is <laughs> going into a whole new territory well do you know what i mean though it's like it, what, uh, what you're but saying is true not- but this is going back to, do you remember we were talking about the Irish Writers' Centre were doing that novel fair where you actually got to present yourself to publishers and agents alongside your book because it's, it is a, a little bit about, you know, what they've got to work with in this day and age, you know. But then, you know, look at George R.R. R. Martin. I mean, he is not going to be winning any um, uh, Chippendale auditions anytime <laughs> soon, is he? But, he's, you know, that doesn't matter. He's positively fuggers, you're right. <laughs> He's, you know, I mean, he's got lots of interesting things to say and what he writes speaks for itself. So um, so it doesn't really matter, but I don't think so. I think, you know, if, if you want to st- get out there and you're not, you're not like with a massive publishing company that's got millions to throw behind your campaign and everything, then, yeah, take every little bit where you can, as long as you don't have to, um, you know, compromise your integrity. Well, I suppose so. I just keep, I, part of the reason I say that it was a bit sinister because it just reminded me slightly and this person doesn't have to worry in the slightest because she's extremely successful, um, so it's not going to sort of harm her career. But Hilary Mantel, if you remember, came under fire for I think she was she wrote she she did a, a speech about um, Kate Middleton, and her comments were taken like wildly out of context, and um, and um, and and she received a lot of criticism. And then all the trolling that came on the internet was all about how she looked. And then this this sort of fantastically decorated. Some uh, you know British author that we all should be really proud of for the success that she's had over the last few years, and all of a sudden everyone's talking about the way she bloody looks, and it's kind of I know that this is I know that this is the sign of our times. Don't you know? Let's don't get all Miley Cyrus on me, but um, it's it's frustrating slightly. And you know, do we really need fluff like the most stylish people in literature, or or, or you know, maybe we do? Like you say, maybe it's is maybe a bit of fluff every now and again is all right. 
yeah, I, I mean, that's that's a bigger issue about women in in all lines of uh, walks of life, not just not just writers. I mean, I don't think if a man had posted that kind of comment, then people would have been going, you know, you're an ugly old whatever. That's yeah. that's, that's a problem which women are facing online all the time. It's a whole, true. A whole different area, that yeah. It's true, and we should probably uh, steer slightly clear of it just for the, for the time being, mainly because we've only got about nine minutes left. <laughs> okay, that's cool. And our schedule is far more important. Yes, yes, absolutely. So what was this massive, big, whopping topic? That we've not got any time. Well, it's um, it's not really that whopping, really. And in fact, I'd have probably have got to about eight and a half minutes in and uh, found that i got very little else to say. It's kind of an announcement as well, although I'll probably find time to announce it no it probably will this will probably come out before i announce it separately and it's the smallest announcement i've ever made it's really not important at all so some of you may know that i started my own one-man podcast called very meta um um, i don't know in may or something like that and before that it was called chat room and then about a year and a half before that it was also called chat room so basically i've had three attempts at running this kind of almost daily style podcast where I combine me talking about stuff that's going on with my writing just general kind of things with other sort of interesting piece of advice that type of thing and um, I'm abandoning it again (laughs) and and I really I really thought it was for keeps this time oh I know but um it's it's I, I just can't get it to work and this is this is the topic really I am I am the sort of person who has ideas all the time and I quite often just just sort of give them a go and um and this is something that i've i've done more in the last two or three years since i started being on the internet more before that i tended to focus on one thing at a time so i was uh, editor of a literary magazine i was finishing my novel did nothing else but work on the novel then i did words aloud and that was all i did um, apart from apart from kind of my my writing i just ran words aloud spoken word night and then in 2008 i set up write for your life and since then I've kind of done all sorts of little things. And it feels, at this point, it feels a little bit like throwing tripe at a wall and seeing what sticks. And... Oh, my God. With regards to... Did you just call the Right for Your Life podcast tripe? No, because it's... Well, I suppose so. Oh. But it, it, but but it, it's um, but but this is this is um, and this is a good point. This is kind of what I'm getting to. I think a lot of people do this, and this is why I wanted to talk about it. I think a lot of people are in the same position. We start projects all the time, um, uh, our, our, you know, web projects because it's so easy to do. Let's start a new blog. Let's start a new podcast. Let's sell this product. Let's I don't know, open a new Twitter account. We do all this stuff, and and how much of it is actually a good idea? That's kind of what I'm saying. And how much of it is actually taking away from the stuff that you probably should be focusing on. Now, this podcast is is worth mentioning because it's, I think, it was it was always a good idea. It was always a sensible thing to do. I had the blog, which, which at the time I was updating, I was writing regular blog posts about writing, and it made sense to extend the brand, if you will, and have the podcast as well. And And for that reason, and because I think I've, given it the time and the effort and the thought needed it's it's um it has substance so it's not just a project that i set up it's something that i care about and i and and i've sort of put the put the effort in and, and it, it has it has a certain substance and over time it's gradually picked up um, an audience as well which is also very helpful yeah so 
I have three alarms, so my three alarm bells for for very meta, and and perhaps you can, you people out there can uh, can use these alarms to decide whether projects that you've been working on are worth pursuing or not. Um, so so very meta. Um, previously, chat room I think was a nice idea that I can't get to work, um, and like I say, it's sort of uh, all like almost like a daily podcast. My first alarm bell was that. Um, um, I sent. I told people about this, like I haven't done before. When I've tried it before, I told everyone on my blog. I told my podcast. Uh, you know, I mentioned it on on this. Um, I told everyone on Twitter. So altogether, you know, realizing that you can't reach everyone that follows you or subscribes. Let's say it certainly was seen by a few hundred people, and the number of people who signed up was about thirty or forty. Mm-hmm. which isn't terrible like i'm not complaining a lot of people w- would say well that that's not so bad for us, something that you just started and i do understand that but at the same time i did co- i did kind of think mm, maybe people don't actually want this um and my second alarm was that i suddenly found that i suddenly realized that i was talking about stuff here on the podcast i've been creating videos as well which i'll come back to because i think that that's something that we'll st- i'll stick with and i realized that i was just repeating stuff everywhere and and that's what's the point in that? <laughs> I I just haven't got enough to say, and I think it was a sad realization that I've had, where I just realized that I haven't, there isn't enough to say about writing and publishing, especially as I've got a very busy sort of personal life at the moment with with children and things like that. It's not like I'm going to events all the time or just sort of entirely immersed in the publishing world. I'm not, therefore, you know, I haven't got enough to say and I quickly realised this, that I was repeating myself. That was my second alarm. Well, can I, can I say something a little bit controversial? Oh, my goodness. Well, that might not be that controversial. Um, do you think that if you lived, for example, in London um, and there were maybe more opportunities to, um, to get yourself out there traditionally in person with readings and events and stuff like that, that you would spend less time online. Uh, that I would spend less time online. Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. Yeah, because I'm I'm thinking about this. You know, being over in Copenhagen, um, it's it's so vital. And I don't know whether. Yeah, I mean, you can try all these things with you. I think that basically all you've done is you're just testing out which is the best format for what you want to say online. That's all you've been doing. So it doesn't matter that if something didn't work, then you you know, don't you? Well, that's that's, that's a very that's a very kind way of putting it, and, and you're and you're probably right. Yeah, but I mean, all of this stuff you've got all this time to do this. Not everybody does it. Not everybody has that kind of online profile, um, and some people have none. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I would love to be in a situation where I would have more opportunities to do readings. I really would. As in live readings to the uh, you know live events. Yeah, because I I think there is no better way to to actually sell books, particularly poetry, or get people interested in what you're writing with poetry than just to actually be standing in front of them and saying, you know what, this poem is a little bit about this and here's the poem, and for them to hear it through your, through your mouth. Doing videos and things like that are, is, is also great, but I don't know, I just think there's this amazing energy that you get when you're reading your work in the room, you know? I, I, I completely agree. You're, you're, you're absolutely right, and it's, it's something that I have done little of in the last couple of years and I should get to doing more really. but you see it's, it's easier to be if you're at home and you've got to be at home and and also if you're a writer so you're at home anyway and you think about being at a desk then then that's just the easiest thing to do isn't it to, to actually be getting the word out online instead 
It's true, and 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 this is it. But I and I guess this this is where I wanted to just sort of briefly relate this back to what we kind of touched on last week about about. Um, I think I, I think I said something along the lines of if I was a self-publisher, then I would have like a business plan, and I would I would have a marketing plan, and everything would be very very well organised. All my online stuff would be really tight, and um, and that's not how I work at all, sadly. And um, and and um, like I say, it's been more like just sort of seeing what works, seeing what sticks, which is kind of kind of fine. My my third mistake, by the way, my third alarm was that I quickly realised that it wasn't an easy option. So the reason I thought that I could do this and fit this in was because I was going to do it on my lunch times, and which which I did because you can just use my mobile phone and Bob's your uncle, and um, and I did do that for a while. And then of course there are some lunch times where you actually got to do where 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 work sort of takes its place, uh, you know, where you don't have much of a lunch, I guess. And then sometimes I was forgetting, and I suddenly realised that actually that was not an easy option at all, you know. And and even if even the fact that I was thinking that doing a podcast like that was an easy option was a problem. Why am I wanting something to be an easy option if I want to do something properly? Then I should I should do it properly and take the time. Like again, thinking of this podcast, I mean, it's not like it's the most taxing thing in the world, but we do have to agree to be in the same place in front of a computer at the same time every week and to have thought of something to say and to say we're going to speak to each other for an hour and then edit for an hour afterwards, yeah. in my case. You know, it is, it is a commitment and it is taking it seriously. And um, I, just didn't, I just didn't think it through in that way. And, um, and it's, a, it's a bit of a shame. So I'm going to kind of cancel it. But the, 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 I have paid for SoundCloud for a, for, a, for a year and I love SoundCloud. It's a fantastic platform. So I'm going to pivot. I'm going to bloody pivot. You're going to pivot? And you're pivoting with me. All right. Did you know that? I No, I'm excited about it. I don't think I mentioned it. So what I'm going to do is um, I'm going to use my SoundCloud account. I'm going to get rid of all the very meta stuff. Um, uh, my fourth thing is, which, and I haven't got that on my list written down here, but I actually didn't think that it was very good. That was my final thing, which is, I guess <laughs> is, is the ultimate thing. I just didn't think it was very good. I sort of listened to a few back and I thought, well, it's, it's all right, but it's not particularly helpful and it's not particularly interesting not especially funny so anyway so we're pivoting and um and uh, i've spoken to uh, uncle michael hurley founder of 70 decibels um skivvy at five by five and we he's he said it's he said it's a good idea we're going to have the right for life prog- podcast a podcast we're going to be starting a podcast oh <laughs> is that like poking on facebook it's exactly like that um, we're going to uh, an abridged version of the the podcast. So if people don't want to listen to the whole forty or fifty, <laughs> which, which is what this feels like, it's usually between half an hour and forty minutes for the podcast. I'm going to kind of just either I haven't worked out yet, either the ten minutes or just just randomly pick ten minutes oh, somewhere yeah. in the middle. Oh yeah, I know what it's going to be. You're just going to cut my voice out, and it's just <laughs> going to be you talking again. It's going to be the same thing as you were doing before. Uh, yeah, you've rumbled me. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I'm going to use my SoundCloud SoundCloud account to to do that. So we'll have a, like an abridged version of Right for Life, and hopefully we'll be able to attract more listeners um, uh, to the main podcast that way. And it will give people a, a different way into way into listening to what is a, a you know an established product by Jove. Brilliant! It's all very exciting. Yes. So my 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 takeaway for people there, hopefully, is to really have a think about what you're doing and. Um, and um, whether all your different projects are actually worth doing, or whether you should just sack one or two of them off and uh, and concentrate on the the important stuff. So yeah, what whether I- they're actually cannibalising each other a little bit, so that you um, 
you're not getting the impact that you really would like. Precisely. Precise mundo. Yes. Um, and, uh, and yeah, that's it. I'm done. Phew. Awesome. So uh, see you next week then, eh? Let's just, just do it. Let's just say goodbye. Well, we'd, I don't know where, where to find you on uh, Twitter. Oh, yeah, it's at The Flying Poet. And you can find me at Ian Broom, I-A-I-N-B-R-O-O-M-E and ianbroom.com slash podcast for all the previous episodes. Yep. Done. That's it. Thanks for listening, everyone. See ya. Bye.